Good morning. Happy Saturday, everybody. It's the Gimme Zone. Welcome in. We have got a busy show for you this Saturday right here on The Ref. Andy Dillard right around the corner at 1015. Oklahoma head men's golf coach Ryan Hibble. We'll, we'll hear from head coach Ryan Hipple. Another win for the Sooners. A, another individual medalist for the Sooners in Chris Goddard-Up. And, oh, by the way, they're off to Las Vegas for the Southern Highlands Collegiate coming up starting on Sunday. Jared Gallagher as well coming up in hour number two from the Red Dirt Golf Collective. I'm Josh Helmer alongside Brian Vineyard and Matt Reynolds. Matt, you are out in Tampa, Florida. How about that? Look at the commitment to still hop on the show from all the way out east. What's up, man? Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. How's it going, gents? Is it uh, warmed up at all in Oklahoma yet? Matt, it's not warm at all. Let's be honest. Uh, it's not Palm Springs weather. Well, in Tampa, is not Palm Springs weather either because it's hot here. I'm already sweating. So uh, Palm Springs is a little bit nicer from uh, a weather standpoint, but... That's all right. We picked a good week, Brian, to get out and play some good golf, huh? We did. We did, you know, and it was – I got to experience a great event. The Sooners in the desert, uh, Tyler Woodward and Johnny Johnson and the and the guys over at Jimmy Austin put that event on as a fundraiser for the golf course and the OU Men's Golf Program. Got to see uh, Coach Hibble out there and a lot of the uh, dignitaries and football staff, and what a great event. And uh, capped it off with a fantastic uh, – event at Bighorn, which is, you know, one of the best courses out there, and and big thanks to them for letting our group of 140 on their on their fabulous course. So, I want to dive into Joaquin Neiman. When we last left one another, gentlemen, it was Neiman who had fired a record couple of opening rounds, and of course, he, he did go on to win last week. Daniel Berger off to a hot start in the Honda Classic, but a little bit more on that. I, I think that's interesting, Brian. What stood out to you from the Sooners in the Desert event? And you, you mentioned dignitaries. There are a lot of uh, a lot of folks from the Sooners out there, out west. Well, you know, it really was, Josh. The football coaches and many of the coaches make a commitment uh, to go out there and support each other's programs. And that's really what's great about OU Athletics is everybody's all in. You know, we had our president out there, uh, Joe Harris. We had our AD, uh, Mr. Castiglione, out there. And it was just a fantastic event. We have, uh, you know, there's lots of former Sooner players that come and, and uh, are basically the celebrities in groups. And so... It, it, it is a fantastic event, and if you haven't done it, contact Tyler over at Jimmy Austin for next year. It's I tell you, you'll want to go back after you do it. And I think the important thing is, how are you swinging it out there? Well, there, the first day was shaky. We get a, I get up there to go play the reserve, a fantastic course, and the wind's blowing 40, and it's 55 degrees. So it didn't really feel like Palm Springs. And that course from 7,100 yards is all you want. So last week, Joaquin Neiman was able to hang on. We said we thought somebody somebody would make a little bit of a run at Joaquin Neiman. That individual was Colin Morikawa. But Matt Neiman just able to hold him off. Morikawa, a chance on 18, didn't get that final birdie putt to drop that would have applied a little bit of late pressure there, and Neiman hangs on to win. 
I got to give Brian a little bit of credit here, too, because he said Saturday, last Saturday, Victor Hovland was going to make a charge. He did as well, but unfortunately for Victor, he didn't just couldn't really get it going as much on Sunday. Uh, Morikawa is a special golfer. I mean, to, to make it even as close as he did was a really special deal. Uh, but you got to give it up to Joaquin Neiman, and I think that's a, not only a life-changing win because it's his first win on the tour, it's a win that could pull vault him into the category of, okay, this is a young guy, but he's a guy who now can win a golf tournament. He's proven that to us. And holding on to a league from start to finish, that's something that's pretty tough, Ryan. It is, Matt. You know, these. You know, it was actually his second win, but, but he uh... – the reality is it does change everything for him. You know, it gets him in uh, the majors for sure now. And what what you see about this guy is he's he's not a big guy, but he absolutely stripes it out there with all of the longest hitters. I mean, routinely hitting it well over 300 yards, and he probably goes a buck 55 max. Players from outside the U.S. to win wire to wire before age 24 since 1960, gentlemen. Rory McIlroy in that famous 2011 U.S. Open victory. And then last week, Joaquin Neiman, who fired rounds of 63 in each of the two opening days and then 68 on Saturday and a 71 that was good enough to win the thing on Sunday. Afterwards, hey, you win the Genesis Invitational. Tiger Woods is going to be nearby, and Tiger Woods was there to congratulate Neiman, and it sounded like this. You can't fake it around this golf course. You have to do that. They execute each and every shot correctly. He did that. He proved it, and he deserved it, and he earned it. So congratulations. Hi, Tiger here. It's something very special for our game. Um, especially for me, it was one of my idols watching on TV, so it's time to have Tiger here supporting golf and supporting and then Neiman with Sirius XM was asked, hey, how did you sleep on this lead night after night after night? And what was that like for you? Obviously, Thursday and Friday was two different days. I played an amazing golf. I was killing the ball amazing. Obviously, I wasn't feeling that pressure right there on the first few days of having the lead and yeah I mean the, uh, after we we get to the weekend Saturday was was a interesting day was playing with uh, JT and Cameron it was it was a good battle I mean uh, it was Saturday was great I mean I had a good stretch during the round I didn't start too good and then and then got it, get it going mid on mid on the middle of the round and then Sunday Sunday was a really long day. It was, it took forever. It felt that if that that weekend felt like it was a month, but yeah, it was, I was so happy to get it done. And I, yeah, holding the leader the way the way I managed myself on the course. So it was, it was awesome. It was an awesome victory. I'm sure, Matt. There's been plenty of golfers that can relate to that. That weekend felt like a month. And you have the lead that long. It definitely does. And the course at Riviera, guys. I come away every time from watching that tournament just so impressed because you can't coast. There's some of these courses that when you get a five-shot lead, okay, you know, you can play all the safe plays and, you know, be all right, especially when guys aren't really charging at you. This isn't one of those courses, and I think the hole that really uh, tops the cake of it is hole 10, and they've talked about it on the broadcast quite a bit, how sloped that green was and just how tough it's become of a hole 
it's one of the either the best par four or the worst par four a lot of people uh, think but it's definitely an entertaining par four to watch on tv oh and by the way one of the toughest finishing holes out there so if you've got a one-shot lead or or and trying to hang on for dear life not the easiest thing to do but you kind of hit it on the head matt when you were talking about Colin Morikawa, he is probably the best young player out there. If not, he's definitely top five. A California guy making a massive run at you on Sunday, and holding him off was a big-time deal for, for Joaquin. It feels like we're on maybe a similar script this week. We'll see what happens today, but Daniel Berger in the Honda Classic from Palm Beach Gardens, Florida. He has fired consecutive 65s. He's your leader at 10 under par. Chris Kirk, the uh, nearest to him at 7 under par. Both of uh, those two will tee off at 140 coming up later on this afternoon. So, seems like maybe Daniel Berger one week later, similar script to kind of how things played out last week for Neiman. So, should be fun this weekend. We've got Andy Dillard right around the corner. Of course, the Gimme Zone, as always, is brought to you by Elite Roofing Systems, serving all of Oklahoma's roofing needs. They're locally owned and operated, headquartered in both Norman and Tulsa, serving customers in the greater Oklahoma City area since 2010. Free quotes, affordable pricing. You can give them a call in OKC, 405-361-3094, or in Tulsa, 918-984-5475. EliteRoofOK.com, where you can check them out online. Andy Dillard had some very passionate thoughts last week about the Saudi Golf League. There's been, of course, plenty of plenty of shakeup there. Phil Mickelson, it's not been a good week for Phil Mickelson, to say the least. Uh, we can dive into that and his thoughts on Neiman's win and, of course, the nice start this week for Berger and more. That's coming up next. It's the Gimme Zone taking an opening timeout. Andy Dillard next right here on The Ref. Good morning and welcome back to the Gimme Zone. Got uh, Andy Dillard coming on right now with this. Uh, all you guys know Andy out there, uh, local legend. And uh, I will tell you... Give him a chance to tell you how to get some golf lessons with him, which I'd highly encourage. But uh, welcome, Andy. How are you? Man, I'm doing great. Hope everybody else is doing good. Getting out of this, we've got a little sunshine coming up, so uh, and hopefully next week some warm weather for golf for everybody. Well, I got back from Palm Desert uh, late last night, and it was a little shocking getting off the plane in your shorts to uh, 24 degrees, but uh, so be it. Yes, yes. Palm Desert's always a great place to be. So, got to discuss this. You know, Phil Mickelson is renowned or rumored to be a big uh, gambler in Vegas. I don't think he's ever had a week like this, has he? Um, probably not. Not that I know of. Um, you know, sometimes the best thing to do is to keep your mouth shut. Sometimes. You need to sit back and and be thankful for what you have and realize where you got it. Uh, I think Phil kind of forgot where he came from, forgot who's been supportive of him in the past, and uh, opened his mouth, and now he's uh, reaping what he's sowed. Well, you know, you lose four major sponsors in one week, which is, you know, I can't even imagine what the dollars associated with that are. 
But I think Henrik Stenson said exactly what you just commented. Maybe it's time for him to just be quiet. Just zip it. Um, Josh, what do you think? Uh, you know, obviously, you know, he kind of – I feel like he got thrown under the bus a little bit, too. I know he made a power play and it backfired. But in, in some degrees, he did get thrown under the bus. What do you think? That That's what I was going to ask you, Andy. <laughs> like, speaking of – overplaying your hand or having a bad week gambling is that a little bit what has happened here with Phil Mickelson that he was convinced had private conversations with a number of golfers that everybody was on board with this Saudi golf league and then he becomes the public face of it and now all of a sudden he's found out he didn't have as much support as maybe he thought he did yes absolutely and uh maybe Phil realize Phil realizes that uh Phil's not bigger than the PGA Tour. Phil's not bigger than the game. Um, he's just a, he's another player. He's a, he's a member of the entertainment industry. He's not bigger than the industry. Um, plus, plus possibly that Phil, the players realize that the good old U.S. of A. needs to be supported and not Saudi Arabia. Um, I think there's a lot of stars and stripes in there. You know what I mean? I agree with you, Andy. world there needs to be. I agree. You know, it's a, you know, they've got all kinds of issues over there that, that, you know, almost everybody here would view as unacceptable. Um, but, uh, you know, it was really a power move backfired. Um, the game is, and always will be bigger than any one player. I mean, there's been many of fantastic players before, and there will be afterwards. So, you know, he'll he'll uh, have a little humble pie, probably uh, be uh, invisible for a few weeks, and hope that this thing blows over in our in our uh, 24 hour news cycle. But I got a feeling it's going to have some more legs. Um, but on another well, note, you know. If- if Phil's smart enough to keep his mouth shut, eat some humble pie, come out and say, you know what, I, I opened my mouth and I spoke before I really thought what I was saying. I made a mistake and I was wrong. Will you please forgive me? Absolutely. That's who our country is. That's who, that's who we are. You know, everybody makes mistakes. Everybody needs forgiving. Now, if he doesn't take that path and continues his arrogance, he'll continue digging a deeper hole and falling down in it. Matt, did you have Andy, something you wanted to jump in here with? Yeah, let's let's flip over to the Honda Classic, Andy, because they, something that you just don't see very often on the tour has happened this week. We had a cut where it was a plus two. If you were over par... You still, if you were within that cut line, obviously made the cut. Not often that you see a plus two. So obviously the golf course is playing pretty tough this week and giving some guys a little bit of trouble. Burgers, you know, leading it at 10 under. But for it to be a plus two cut is uh, pretty interesting. Yes, it is. When you have when you have the best players in the world and the cut is over par, uh, you know, the golf course has some teeth. It's probably got some weather. Um, for the most part, there are less players on the PGA Tour familiar with Bermuda greens 
than there are guys that that know how to put them. And and uh, you can look at the top burger. He's he's that that he's a Bermuda green guy. So uh, it's amazing every year when you go from the west coast to Florida, how the the players, the groups of players, change on top of the leaderboard a lot of times. Uh, West Coast, you got guys that live out in Phoenix, Arizona, uh, Arizona, California. Um, then you go to Florida, and you got guys that grew up in the Southeast, live in Florida. They they tend to rear their head there. So uh, the Bermuda grass in Florida, as opposed to Bent Poana in California, makes a difference on who's on top of the leaderboard. Andy, your school, Oklahoma State, has pulled off something that not many do, but we know around here and around the country, Oklahoma State is one of the top echelon programs year in and year out. The last national championship team, all six guys that went to that uh, event have now made at least one PGA Tour start with Sam Stevens getting his start here at the Honda Classic, and he made the cut right now playing very well. He's T12 at two under, what does it mean just as you look back at your school and all the success they've had when you see things like this, and this is just one of many, where Oklahoma State is just so well represented on the tour? Oh, you know, it it means that there is a continuing success at that school that was started with Labron Harris. Um, followed up by Coach Holder. Uh, there's a there's a culture uh, that is continuing, which is rare in today's world. Um, for that, that's a that's a long time for a program to continue the success the success that they've had, uh, and that just means that. Uh, Coach Bratton's doing a great job in recruiting. Um, following Mike Holder uh, is a tough gig. Now, he didn't directly follow Coach, but uh, uh, he's behind him. You know what I mean? Uh, so to continue that culture, to continue the success, um it, it's a tough thing to do. So uh, there's a lot of people that care about the golf program at Oklahoma State. Um, say what you want to. <laughs> the relationship Coach Holder had with Boone Pickens, uh, if you look around Oklahoma State and see what's been done with the, the resources that Boone and other, don't, not just Boone, yeah, don't get me wrong, but the resources that were developed uh, by Coach and all of those people, if you look around the football stadium, and, uh, and let's, let's, let's don't kid ourselves, football's the, the engine that drives the circus, you know what I mean? <laughs> so, uh, but seeing what they, they, the relationships, the resources that came about, through a golf coach and a golf programmer, there's probably not another school in the country that can say a non-revenue sport had such a big 
influence on what's going on in, in the sports and athletic program at that school today. Andy, one final question. I promise this is the last time this morning I'll circle back to Phil Mickelson. But Go ahead. I love it. What When these types of comments for Phil Mickelson come out that Alan Shipnuck had the conversation that he had with him and he makes the types of comments that he made about the people in Saudi Arabia, it's staining for his reputation. But Phil Mickelson is Phil Mickelson. He's won a ton of tournaments on the PGA Tour. He's one of the most accomplished in that respect. Of course, he's a six-time major champion, and he's one of the all-time money earners. He's one of the tops in terms of money earned on the PGA Tour's all-time list. So he's got that. That's not changing overnight. Does this, though, change his reputation, his legacy, all of those sorts of things for Phil Mickelson moving forward is that an overreaction to say that it changes it for Phil Mickelson, or how do you compartmentalize that? I don't think it's an overreaction at all. Does it change uh, his legacy? Absolutely, 100%. What he said and done has a, to, this is my opinion, ha, is a bigger deal than anything he's done on the golf course. Let, let's be real. Uh He's had a great golf career, and he is a great golfer, period. Everything else, a lot of times these guys that are, are great golfers, and in other sports too, great players, they think they're an authority on everything. Um, and obviously, since Phil's opened his mouth, we know he's not. So uh, does it have an influence on his legacy? Absolutely. What he said, hey, thinking, thinking you deserve to be in a an elite league and be paid an ungodly amount of money because you think you're a little better than everybody else. Sorry, brother, you're not any better than anybody else. You put your pants on the same way we do, and I'll revert back to the good old United States of America, stars and stripes to throw our country under the bus and and to want Saudi Arabia to move into the United States. Because, uh, forget it. I'm out on Phil. I don't care what happens to him. If he's such a big fan of that, he needs to go over there and live and go over there and play golf. We've got reaction from last week, Neiman, wire to wire, incredible victory for him. Let's take a time out here, and then we'll continue our conversation with you, Andy, on the other side. Want to get your reaction to Neiman's victory from last week and the start for Berger as well. We'll take a time out. It's the Gimme Zone right here on The Ref, brought to you by Elite Roofing Systems. Back with you right after this timeout. Gimme Zone, we're back with you right here on The Ref. Happy Saturday, everybody. Talking golf all morning long until noon with you. Right here on The Ref, it's brought to you by Elite Roofing Systems, Territory Golf and Country Club as well. Andy Dillard is our guest, alongside Brian Vineyard and Matt Reynolds, of course. I'm Josh Elmer. Before the break, teased it, Andy. What did you think, Joaquin Neiman, last week, wire-to-wire victory in the Genesis? You know, I was very impressed. It's hard for any guy on the PGA Tour to go wire-to-wire. To beat the best, to beat the best players in the world every day, 
especially when he missed the short putt on the first hole, the last round, that was a, a little nervous tick for him, um, for him to keep his wits and hold together the rest of the day was very impressive. Um, it's hard mentally, especially, what is he, 22 years old? Good Lord. Uh, to have the mental intestinal fortitude to be able to wake up in the morning, to take care of your mind, not let it race ahead, to keep in the present, wire to wire, massively impressive. Uh, I have a, I kind of think that kid better make a bunch of money early in his career because I'm not sure how long his back will hold up with that golf swing. Yeah, Andy, we were talking about that before you came on. What does he weigh? About a buck fifty, but yet, I mean, he hammers it out there. But it does come with a price at some point. You see some of these guys that have swung at it like that. It, it, it can take a toll on you. It will take a toll because your back's not made to move, to be contorted in that with that amount of, of torque and strength that many times eventually it's going to give out so uh best of luck to him i'm all for him i love seeing him win that golf tournament um i enjoyed seeing all of his peers around after he finished uh so i love seeing kids like that do well um and i, I hope he has continued success Andy, there's lots of guys that'll be out, uh, maybe not on the course today because it's a little chilly, but when they're getting out there that are swinging really hard, and I see it all the time, uh, especially guys mid-30s, and as you get older, you know, it just tightens up more and more. What is a tip or advice that you have for somebody that is just ripping everything they have but continually having lower back troubles uh, that could help them out with a better golf swing? Wow, what a great question. Um you know, I'm kind of old school. Uh, my best tip is when you get up before, when you take a shower before you're going to go play, run hot water over your lower back as long as you can stand it in the shower. When you get out, dry off and kind of use your towel to stretch around and move around some. Wet heat is always a great thing for golfers because it, heats up and loosens up your muscles. So uh, before you ever get out of the house, put as much wet heat on your lower back or any other part of your body that you want to, to loosen up for the day. Stretch it out when you're drying off and after you dry off. And, and uh, that's kind of a routine that I went through every time that uh, I was playing in a tournament and kind of play. It was a daily routine for me because I was playing golf every day. So uh, I always felt that that helped. Um, and like I say, wet heat's always your friend as a golfer. You know, Andy, I was... Sounds like hot tubs. <laughs> Not a, that'll cure a lot of things. <laughs> <laughs> now, Andy, I was always uh, uh, amazed at Tiger, how long he could lash at it as hard as he did before he started having problems. I mean... Do you think he's a classic example of another guy that had he just dialed it back a little earlier in his career, maybe he doesn't have some of the difficulties? You know what? Possibly so. I think, this is just my opinion, 
I think Tiger ran into physical problems when he started thinking he needed to be bulkier and bigger to be kind of accepted as a world-class athlete. Um, I think the weightlifting, the bulking up for him probably affected him more than his golf swing did. Now, that's just my opinion. Uh, but uh, now he he went at it hard, but he was a lanky kid. He wasn't a – and all of a sudden you look at him and he looks like he's – he he's a defensive end, so or a linebacker. So uh, I kind of think the the and you know he went through a Navy SEAL training as much as he could endure. Um, I think there were some mental issues that he thought he had to be bigger to be accepted uh, as a world class athlete that he was instead of just being a, a lanky golfer. The uh, and the prototype of a golfer. So, but who knows? He could probably tell you more of the truth. But that's that's just what I think. Last question for you, Andy, and we'll we'll let you get out of here, man, and get back to enjoying your weekend. The Honda Classic, Daniel Berger, great start for him. Back to back sixty fives. Is Berger hanging on and winning this thing? What do you think about the tournament so far? You know what? I think he's ten under. I think if he shoots even par on the weekend, he wins it. Now, there's nothing harder as a golfer than to go out and make a par. <laughs> you know, hey, go out and make par on this hole. That's brutal. Um, if he can, and like I was talking about Neiman, if Berger can have the intestinal, for, if he can keep his mind the same as he did the first two days, his golf swing won't change. He'll go out and take care of business. If he lets his mind and his thoughts float around and they're not the same, that'll affect everything else he does. Uh, it'll be very interesting to see. Yeah, it is interesting. I hope when you, he does. You know, when you when you try to not be aggressive, sometimes you get into trouble. You know, I agree with you. It, you know, at this point, if he shoots even par, if you look at historically at this tournament and the way that Jack has, de, you know, redesigned this course, ten under is going to win most times. And so, Andy, before we let you go, tell everybody how they get a hold of you uh, so that they can. Uh, Get a good lesson, uh, and you can help them at the areas of their games as they need some help. Yeah, I appreciate it. 405-535-2529. That's 405-535-2529. If you want to learn what the guys are doing you're watching on television, just call me. uh, It's very easy. It's, It's very simple. Golf is not as hard as people make it out to be. Uh... A couple of easy tips that are very functional, not only on how to practice, uh, drills you can do uh, will definitely improve your golf game. Probably take five to six strokes around off your off your round. Andy, thanks so much. We'll do it again next week. Appreciate your time as always. Thank you, guys. I look forward to it. Have a great week. Have a great weekend. Andy Dillard joining us on the Gimme Zone. We're due a timeout. Oklahoma Headman's golf coach Ryan Hibble joins us next. It's the Gimme Zone. Keep it locked in. It's the ref. Back with you on the ref. It's the Gimme Zone. Josh Elmer, Brian Vineyard, Matt Reynolds, and we welcome in Oklahoma Headman's golf coach Ryan Hibble. Sooners in the Desert Classic. What does it mean for Jimmy Austin Golf Club, and what does it mean for your Oklahoma golf program? Oh, it's such a great week um, to come out and 
uh, just be ar around a lot of great Sooners. Um, that's what the event, you know, began and started way back when, and we've been able to carry on that tradition. And it's it's so awesome to have the football staff here uh, with us along the way, you know, especially with the transition of the new coaching staff. There's a lot of juice right now, and uh, everybody was just uh, on, uh, you know, high energy and, and excited for the for the future of our football program. And obviously they're continuing to be excited about our golf program. So, um, yeah, this fundraiser, uh, you know, it, it helps supplement uh, costs and, and special projects out of Jimmy Austin. And, and you know, Jimmy is the lifeblood of, of our golf program. If we don't have a good golf course, uh, you know, we won't have a good golf program. And and uh, that's we've made so many great strides over the years, and uh, we have a championship golf course that's always in great shape. And uh, it's just it's it's a fun it's it's a, a fun program to be a part of for sure. Well, we mentioned it off the top. Head coach Oklahoma head men's golf coach Ryan Hibble is our guest, fresh off the program's third win of the season at the Puerto Rico Classic. What a week once again for your team, coach. All sorts of accomplishments for your group in the tournament. With rounds of 268 strokes, 269, and another closing round of 268, your team tied for the lowest score in program history, registered a program record, 80 birdies in the tournament, and you eclipsed the previous program best score to par by 11 strokes, shattering the, the previous mark, finishing at 59 under as a team. It wound up as a 6 Stroke victory over Georgia and, of course, the rest of the talented field down there at the Puerto Rico Classic. What was it about how well your team attacked Grand Reserve Golf Club that led to the record-setting win, Coach? Well, I mean, first of all, you know, we actually didn't play that great down there. No, I'm teasing. We, uh, 5,900 par was special. We had a great time. Um, the golf course wasn't set up that, that difficult. It's a PGA Tour golf course, but uh, they were protecting their back tee boxes uh, for the PGA Tour. They have to contractually. So we played a little bit shorter golf course than, than normal. Uh, but our guys went in with the right attitudes. Uh, we got some really special rounds, um, starting out with uh, Patrick Welch, 62 first round, 10 under par. I was actually with him all 18 holes, and it was just a beautiful round of golf. And, um, you know, you follow that up with – uh, Logan McAllister's uh, final round. Uh, Drew Goodman had a, a, a great second round and third round. Um, you know, and then obviously, you know, Chris got her up, just dominating kind of all week long. Uh, just phenomenal play out of him and to go out and shoot 20 under as an individual. Uh, incredible. I earned him a spot in the PGA Tour event. But, um, you know, just a lot of birdies. If you're not making a birdie on, on every hole, you kind of feel like you're getting run over. So, I actually like that mindset for us to, to have to play in some events like that. You know, everybody thinks that we want to just go play U.S. Open golf courses every week, and, and, and it is fun to do that, don't get me wrong. But it's also really fun as a program and for our guys to get on a golf course where, you know, if you're not making four to ten birdies a day that you're kind of getting left behind in the dust and because and, it challenges you in a, in a whole different mental capacity. And uh, our guys handled it well, and, and we were able to kind of turn on the afterburners coming down the stretch and, and uh, you know, to get a little distance on Georgia. A little bit more, Coach, about Chris Goderup's performance. Two rounds of 66 sandwiched around his eight-under round of 64. Chris became just the sixth 
sixth sooner all-time to break the 200-stroke mark, and his 20-under par was the second lowest in program history. So obviously a historic performance coach. Just individually, what was working for Chris at the Puerto Rico Classic? Well, you know, he, he hits the ball good full-time, so that, that's pretty, pretty normal for him. But, you know, he made putts. I mean – the greens were really good in Puerto Rico for Bermuda greens and, um, you know, down in the Caribbean area. And, uh, but, but, you know, there's a lot of grain going on and guys can still struggle on the putting services. And he did a great job of knocking down putts that he needed to and, and uh, continuing, uh, you know, momentum throughout that golf course. So, uh, and, and to be honest with you, I, I would expect him to go play really well next week down there again. They'll play the golf course, obviously very, you know, a lot longer than what we did. Uh, but for Chris, because he's so long anyway, the golf course won't change that much. And, uh, yeah, I'd, I'd be looking out for him um, as he goes down to Puerto Rico next week. Well, you mentioned it right there, Coach. With the win, Chris up earns the invite to the PGA Tours Puerto Rico Open. That begins next Thursday, March 3rd through the 6th. What an awesome opportunity for Chris. What have you told him about playing in the Puerto Rico Open, and just how important is this invite in your mind for Chris? Well, it's it's awesome opportunity. I'm going to tell you, we haven't really talked too much about, um, you know, the actual event. We've been worried, you know, trying not worried, but but really just trying to figure out his travel schedule. Um, and on a side note, I want want you to understand, you know, a lot of guys would probably choose uh, individually to kind of just focus in on the PGA Tour event because um, it's a long week and whatnot. And, and Chris and I had a conversation in the airport flying back from Puerto Rico. Uh, you know, about what he wanted to do. And he said, well, coach, if, if I'm down in Puerto Rico and I'm watching you guys play in Las Vegas on Monday, I'm going to just, I won't be able to sleep at night, you know? And, and so he made the choice to be able to come and play, you know, with, with us, obviously, and then go straight down to Puerto Rico. Cause he's going to, he's going to, he'll fly out of Las Vegas Tuesday night and won't really get into San Juan until uh, Wednesday around lunchtime. So tough travel schedule. But you know what? He's he's young and hungry, and he'll body his body will acclimate, and, and he'll be ready to go for Thursday's round. But uh, that's just the type of of teammates and and player he is. He understands, um, you know, what our missions and our goals are, and and uh, you know the the PGA Tour is just kind of icing on the cake, and and he can go be successful at both of them next week. Patrick Welch was also fantastic for you. He got off to that red-hot start that you mentioned, shooting a program record 10 under par, 62 on Saturday. Finished tied sixth. What stood out about the way that Patrick played? Well, he's hitting the ball phenomenal. Um, you know, he, he's my crosshander. Everybody talks about him because of how he holds the club, but I say it all the time. Consistently, um, he's that guy. If you had a seven iron to win an national championship and had to get on the surface, uh, he'd be my guy that I would choose. And uh, he, you know, he just hits the ball so, so well, uh, consistently. And he, he was firing on all cylinders for sure down there. He made, he made a lot of putts the first day, uh, which has been a little bit of an Achilles for him over the last, uh, you know, six to, to, to 10 months. But, uh, it's just fun to be able to see him get in there and, and make some putts. And, and honestly, the final round, um, he hit it as good as he did the first round. He just didn't make, uh, as many putts, but just really proud of, uh, you know, Patrick and where he's, where he's at, where he's heading, he really wants it and uh, is, is stepping up to become one of our leaders. 
Oklahoma head men's golf coach Ryan Hibble in the house with us on the Gimme Zone. Just a couple more, Coach. Probably anybody in the lineup from the Puerto Rico Classic, we could have the conversation about how well they played for you. It was that type of tournament for your team. One more player, though, that I wanted to ask you about, Coach. True freshman Drew Goodman posted his second career top 10 finish. How encouraging was his performance? And especially over the tournament's final two days, how encouraging was that for Drew? Well, I love where Drew's at with his game, uh, with his mindset. He he knows that he's a big-time player and is, is just going to be a great contributor for us and can help us win a championship. Um, so just excited about his growth. He continues to get better, uh, wanting to learn. He putted the ball really well the last uh, two rounds, which was exciting to see. Uh, we changed a little bit in, in his in his pre-shot uh, routine after, uh, after the first round, and, and it kind of – helped give him a little bit of confidence and and he just he started rolling the ball a little bit better the last two days so you know looking forward to seeing how he does out here in vegas significantly different type of golf course a very disciplined type of golf course that uh will challenge you mentally uh all you know throughout you know from hole one to all the way down down the stretch on 18 and so i can't wait to see how all these guys perform puerto rico was great We're, we're excited it's it's always nice to win um, you know, but we're kind of moving on and, and into into Vegas week, and it's going to be a different ball game out here. So we're uh, we're really looking forward to the challenge this week. So there was Oklahoma head men's golf coach Ryan Hibble. We'll play his final response next after our top of the hour break. Of course, the Sooners over into the Southern Highlands Collegiate out in Las Vegas, where they're going to try to pick up win number four on the season and one tournament into the spring portion of their schedule one victory to show for it Chris Goderup the individual champion in that tournament as well that's it for our number one it's brought to you by Elite Roofing Systems and of course the Territory Golf and Country Club as well taking a timeout, we'll hear that final response from Oklahoma Headman's golf coach Ryan Hibble next on the weekend ahead for his Sooners and then Phil Mickelson more from the fallout this week with Phil Mickelson back after this Oh, yes, it is our number two, the Gimme Zone right here on The Rev. It's brought to you by Elite Roofing Systems. Give them a call in Oklahoma City, 405-361-3094. Out in Tulsa, 918-984-5475, the website. You can check them out online, EliteRoofOK.com, for all of your residential and commercial roofing needs. Free estimates, they've faithfully served Norman and the surrounding areas as well. Josh Helmer along with Matt Reynolds and Brian Vineyard and mentioned it right before the close of our number one. Just wanted to play the final cut that we had with Oklahoma Headman's golf coach Ryan Hibble. They've got a tournament obviously getting underway in Las Vegas on Sunday and it would be, I don't know, a little bit of shortchanging if we didn't play the cut for you of Coach Hibble talking about the tournament they're going to play this week. So we asked Coach Hibble, hey, what are your thoughts on the Southern Highlands Collegiate? Yeah, we haven't been out here since uh, COVID COVID shut us down. It's kind of wild to think back to that. Uh, We were actually in the Las Vegas airport coming back home when me and a bunch of the guys were sitting around going, man, well, this is crazy what's going on overseas. We might, this is going to affect, you know, the United States. (laughs) That's what we were saying. And about, 10 days later, our, our whole world shut down. Um, but we love this golf course. It, it, 
for me, I have a lot of the nostalgic feelings. I played here during my college days. I've been out here for 20 years and it's it kind of gives me the feelings of, you know, driving up through Magnolia lane because I know where everything will be. I know where all the, the whole locations will be, how, how the holes play. And it's probably my most uh, entertaining and fun golf course to coach on uh, good and bad. <laughs> Cause I've seen it all out here for sure. But uh, it's just really fun to be able to see your guys have to step up and hit some shots uh, on some exciting holes, uh, a lot of risk-reward type shots. Um, so just, um, you know, really looking forward to getting out there, seeing how the golf course is playing. It changes year to year based on the rough height and, and green speeds and, and firmnesses. And uh, this place, unlike most college events, um, you know, it can, it can change on a dime. I mean, just overnight. And so – I can't wait to, to go out and see it here in a couple of days and, 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 you know, see what Southern Highlands looks like. Sooners absolutely on fire. Already three wins on the season, Brian. They won the Mary Doe, the Eastlake Cup, and now uh, obviously the Puerto Rico Classic. And they've had two individual champions as well. Logan McAllister and Chris Goderup have both won tournaments respectively. We'll see. We'll see what happens. I would imagine they'd be – well, they are the favorite now heading to Southern Highlands. They're the number one team in college golf right now. Well, you know, Southern Highlands golf course is a shot maker's course. And like Coach Hibble said, it's got several risk-reward holes. Both 9 and 18 are risk-reward par fives that you can make eagle or you can make bogey. And so it's really going to challenge their patience. But it is a golf course that really rewards good shot making. But if the wind kicks up, that golf course has some teeth. Just want to say good morning to our friend OU Architect, who has chimed in with us on the Air Comfort Solutions text line, 405-651-3439. We've got some Buffalo Wild Wings gift cards at some point that we can give away to some folks. Interact with us. We want to hear from the people. So send us a text. Give us a call if you want to hop in. We've got a couple of open segments here. So if you want to banter on anything in the world of golf, give us a call. 405-329-9000, and we will certainly mix you in. But OU Architect said, listening to your golf coverage from near the war zone, near the war zone up in Poland. Crazy. Crazy. Hope you uh, and your family, everybody's safe, OU Architect. The biggest news in the world of golf, we kicked it around a little bit there with Andy Dillard. And maybe, Matt, we didn't get into the true nuts and bolts of this Phil Mickelson situation, of course. He has been a very public proponent for this Saudi Super Golf League, and really it all came to a head last week when Alan Shipnuck, who has a biography coming out soon about Phil Mickelson, he released some inflammatory quotes that Phil Mickelson had said that can't totally repeat on air. There's some scary redacted <laughs> talking about the Saudi Arabians and essentially said, yeah, they've had some human rights violations over there, but this is too good of an opportunity. It's too much money to pass up, and it's applying too much pressure on the PGA Tour, which has been a positive for the players. I'm going to go play in the Super Golf League. Now, since these comments were released, Matt, we've seen sponsors dropping like flies for Phil Mickelson. It was KPMG first. Callaway has dropped Mickelson and several others as well. What has your reaction been to just the fallout here, Matt? 
Well, I think that we live in a cancel culture world, and there's there's two sides to this. In, in this segment, I think we can just focus on Phil particularly and all that he's lost. What did he do that was so bad? I mean, am I missing something, guys? I mean, he used a few curse words. He told the truth about the Saudis. Like, he told the truth. It wasn't like he was hiding it. I just, I don't understand in my eyes of what he really did that was that bad. And I think it's really interesting that Alan Chipnuck, who put out the story, he started, I won't say backtracking, but boy, he started yesterday. You could tell he started to feel bad. Go look at his Twitter. His tweets talking about, hey, I don't, you know, I wasn't really expecting this uh, to be this bad for Phil. He really didn't say anything. So when the guy who drops that uh, bomb of a story is even agreeing with what I'm saying, to me, it shows a few things, Brian. It shows one, I do think it's a way overreaction. Um, there's a lot of guys that have spoke out about against the Saudi golf league that it's funny to me because they speak out against it, yet they've already taken the Saudis' money. And so we've got to start calling these guys out. Roy McIlroy's at the top of the list. He goes to uh, the race to Dubai every year. And, yes, I know that's not Saudi Arabia, but, boy, they sure, they're right along the ropes there. I mean, it, there's all these guys that are kind of playing both sides of the fence. Xander Shoffley came out with a statement uh, this week, kind of condemning it as well. He literally just played in the tournament three weeks ago. So I just don't understand how, one, Phil's con- – the, the comments, although taken out of context, that's pretty clear at this point. I just didn't see that they were all that terrible. He spoke the truth, which is what we want athletes to do. And it's obviously damaged him. But it, the other side of it brings up is, did Alan Shipnuck, who put this out, I think, I think he had pressure from the PGA Tour to put it out. I really do. Because it was the time to do it, just to try to squash the league. There was a lot of momentum building. And there's a part of me that does believe that that was behind the scenes. He was told, hey, it's time to run it now. Matt, you bring up good points. Um, You know, I think Andy's point when he's talking about, I'm not so sure personally that it had as much to do about the damning statements against the people of Saudi Arabia. I think it had more to do with, quote unquote, partnering with Saudi Arabia. But let's take a step back, like you mentioned, Matt. You know, what's different than the NBA players that are partnering with China, right? All these guys that have signature shoes, where are those shoes made? China. Yeah. Do we have human Mm -hmm. rights violations in China? Absolutely we do. So I do think Phil has paid a massive price, and it's it's difficult, and I'm sure, um, you know, some of of the things that were tweeted out that he said, I'm sure he wishes – could be taken back because, you know, he's lost a lot of money in sponsors. I don't even want to venture the guess, but I, it's probably 20, 30 million bucks a year in sponsors. So he's paid a heavy, heavy price. But like Josh and I were talking off the air, Phil is, he's always been a go for it guy. And so, you know, he, and it's burnt him in, in big moments. It's burnt him, Brian. Absolutely, Josh. He's lost some major championships because he didn't hit three wood off the tee. Decide to hit driver to bang it down there. Well, the reality is, you know, he's changed since then on the golf course and lays up a little bit more. Doesn't go for it as much. But, boy, this one is going to be – it's going to take a bit to recover. And, you know, the PGA Tour is not going to be that forgiving. I, I, the officials, the players, 
uh, I'm with Matt. Players that will wash under the bridge pretty quick because as long as none of them got named and taken down with them, they're like, okay, that's Phil's sinking ship. I'm not. That's not my problem. So, and what you said off the air, Brian, I thought was a great point. And maybe you didn't totally articulate that right there, but I'll I'll finish your thought for you here. Phil, so many times throughout his career, big moments, too aggressive, right? Overplays the hand, overplays the shot, tries to be too much of a hero. And this has epitomized Phil Mickelson's career in a lot of ways what has happened with this Saudi Super Golf League. He was convinced through private conversations that this was a done deal, that so many different guys were on board with this idea and were going overseas to take part in this thing with him. And now he's found out? Maybe not as soon as some of the names start getting leaked and some of the pushback comes from the PGA Tour. Jay Monahan has come out and said, look, if you join the Super Golf League, we're putting a lifetime ban on the on your PGA Tour membership status. Now, Greg Norman has fired back on that a little bit and basically has said to Commissioner Jay Monahan, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll see if you can really keep independent contractors from being able to play on the PGA Tour. This thing, here was the quote from Norman. Quote, this is just the beginning. It certainly is not the end, end quote from Norman in the letter that he sent to Monaghan in the PGA Tour. So I tend to agree with that from Greg Norman. This is, though it feels like the PGA Tour has done a great job squashing this, this is just the beginning in a lot of ways of this. It's uh, obviously not been a great week for Phil Mickelson. I do think, though, Matt, what you mentioned earlier, I believe – Talking a little bit as a broadcaster and a journalist here from my own perspective, look, I'm not the gentleman that has the biography that Alan Shipnuck does have coming out titled Phil, the rip-roaring and unauthorized biography of golf's most colorful superstar. I didn't write it, but if I was Alan Shipnuck and I was the individual that wrote it, I wouldn't have published the quotes that he published in conversations with Phil Mickelson. Just talking from my perspective, on the record, off the record, okay, I think he did Phil Mickelson dirty here by publishing these quotes. He made Phil Mickelson a a villain. Obviously, he's costing millions of dollars with the sponsorship deals. So if he is backtracking a little bit, there's a reason he's backtracking because he has not left Phil Mickelson in a good spot here. And we can start the debates. What does this mean for Phil Mickelson's legacy? Maybe not a ton, okay? He's still going to be the six-time major champion, but there's some folks that now Phil Mickelson's just flat out he's not going to be liked by a lot of people. Josh, I think I I massively disagree. I'm on the other end of the spectrum. I just I don't think it's that bad. And also, I don't think this league's dead. Greg Norman is the part that I really think uh, we, we haven't touched on a ton. He's the guy who's behind the Saudi league. It's not Phil. Phil's a piece of it, there's no doubt. But Greg Norman is is behind it. And, Brian, this is – I was not into golf at this time, but from the research I've done, correct me if I'm wrong, this has already happened once before where the players broke away and started what now is the PGA Tour. And it, it was all, honestly stemming from a lot of stuff that Greg Norman and uh, the older guys back then started to make that movement. So this is just another movement to me. Now it may, it may end up being – a part of the PGA Tour. If the PGA Tour is smart, they'll go to this team event stuff in the fall and find a way to give their guys guaranteed money. And then at that point, it'll squash it, I think. 
But until that happens, I think we're going to have a league pop up somewhere, and there are going to be players go because at the end of the day, if you can set up your family with $100-plus guaranteed money, guaranteed money, you have to do it. Anybody would do that. It's just too much money to pass up. And I, I go back to what I said on the show last week. If the Saudis weren't a part of this, it wouldn't have the negative connotation it was. But I also will say to Brian's point earlier about China, it's funny how we can forget things at times. So that's where I go into, I think, in, in five years from now, this Saudi league, if it's off and running, I, I don't think Phil has that much of a damage. And even if it's not off and running, it never happens. I, five years from now, I think Phil's legacy is is what it is. This is just going to be a button on the bigger picture. I mean, he, what he did in this is not anything worse than what Tiger Woods has done in his legacy. People still like Tiger Woods. That is definitely true, yes. I mean, people move on. They Even if they don't totally forget, they, they do forgive. I wonder if that's going to happen with Phil Mickelson here. So just so I'm clear, you, no problem for you that Shipnuck put these quotes out? Oh, no, I, I think Shipnuck is a fraud for the way he put these comments out. And if I was Phil, I, I would find a way to sue him if I could. I mean, it, it, to me, it, it it's just bad journalism, in my opinion, regardless. You knew what was going to happen. And him putting out those tweets yesterday, to me, said all we needed to hear. He's feeling bad. And I, I would probably feel bad if I was in his spot, too, because he's cost this guy a lot of money. Yes, Phil's rich. Yes, we know he has money. But still, he caused him not just money. He caused him damage. And it's a tough time right now for Phil. I think that there is a, a piece of Allen that probably wishes he hadn't put it out there, but he did, and the damage is done at this point. I'll, I'll say this, though. He better get ready for a, a lawsuit from Phil. Uh, would not be shocked if that comes at all. So we have to take an opening timeout of hour number two. One, one final thought, Brian, that I wanted to tee you up for here, no pun intended. <laughs> F- Phil Mickelson has been vilified by a lot of these top players in this deal. And I tend to agree with a lot of what Matt said. I think that in many ways, Phil Mickelson, believe it or not, has had good intentions. And I take him at face value when he says that he's done this not just for himself, but for a lot of the players. And and listen to some of the things that has happened since the Super Golf League, since we first started really hearing about it. The Players' Championship purse rose in 2021 to $15 million. They have the $40 million player impact program. Now that's going to be $50 million, the player impact program in 2022. The FedEx Cup bonus pool has increased from $60 to $75 million. And the season-long bonus programs will hand out $20 million more. And tournament purses increasing by $60 million to $427 million overall. So there have been definite benefits financially for the players since this Super Golf League was, if not introduced, since it started circulating about. And yet, don't you find that juxtaposition interesting, Brian, that the the players, they've kind of thrown Phil Mickelson under the bus here. Josh, you're right, they have. You know, to me, let's take a step back because – this started happening a long time ago. PGA Tour guys getting paid a million dollars to show up and go play a certain event, and 
you know, didn't play the PGA Tour event. This happened, you know, in the World Golf Championships. So the PGA Tour right now is defending their turf. That's that's what they're doing. And Phil got run over by a really big bus. But I agree with Matt. It will be a bump. And he, at some point, you know, probably sooner than we all believe, will recover from that. We'll do a break. We'll take it. It's the Gimme Zone. Great thoughts right there. Obviously, it's a charged topic in golf circles right now, what's going on with the Super Golf League and, of course, the fallout for Phil Mickelson. It's the Gimme Zone. It's brought to you by Elite Roofing Systems and the Territory Golf and Country Club out in Duncan, the Territory. It is a gem of southwestern Oklahoma, consistently rated as a top 10 course in the state of Oklahoma. Fantastic layout. The Prairie House Restaurant, it's amazing. Uh, the con- the Contact over there is Aaron Hess. Give her a call, 580-475-0075, extension 204 for membership opportunities. Take a time out. The Gimme Zone, we're back with you right after this. Welcome back to the Gimme Zone. It is Matt Reynolds, Brian Vineyard, and Josh Helmer hanging out with you here on this Saturday. It's been really cold in Oklahoma, and there's no better place in the Oklahoma City metro area to go when it's cold than Endor 18. you got to keep your game crisp. You can't go into the spring all rusty and just say, oh, I'm going to you know, only play when it's 65 degrees. Well, in our lovely state, you just never know when that'll be. That might be you know, mid-March, could be late April. You, you never know with our lovely weather, and it's definitely been very chilly. So head out to Indoor 18. They've got three TrackMan simulators there. It's the same technology the pros are using, and you can play a course. You can practice. You can do a number of things. You can dial in your numbers. And if you're wondering, well, how far am I hitting my seven iron or whatever club that is, you can get it all there. They'll show you your numbers of how far it's going and a billion different other numbers. (laughs) If you really want to dial into it, uh, you can spend a lot of time over there having a ton of fun. And it's a a very wise investment uh, for the avid golfer. Visit their website at indoor18.com or give them a call at 405-432-GOLF. For more information, guys, uh, this tournament this week, the Honda Classic, uh, it's playing really tough. I don't know how you two feel and what your favorite kind of tournaments are to watch. I particularly enjoy tournaments like this because those pros, you don't see them struggle too often. And, Brian, we were both in Palm Springs on Wednesday when the weather was not great and the wind was blowing uh, 40, 50 miles an hour, and it's really hard to play in that. I was just thinking the whole time, man, I would love to see a pro come out here, and I'm sure they would tear it up. They would make you know make it look easier than what it is. But these pros struggling a little bit. It is really fun to see, and uh, down the stretch, it'll be interesting to see what the overall winner of this is. Burgers at ten under. Brian, do you think the winner is at thirteen under or better? If I set the over under on that, do you think it's it's better than thirteen or worse for the winner at the end of this? Matt, I'm going under because I played this course. It's uh, like many of the other championship courses in Florida. Lots of water, lots of sand, and this is typically a windier time of year in Florida. And so it looks like the early guys today have come out and are not doing well. So I'm, I haven't seen anything on TV yet, but I'm assuming we got some wind today. It didn't look like we had any wind the first couple of days or much lighter wind than usual and so Berger tore it up but I kind of like what Andy said if he could shoot even par on the weekend I think he's going to win by a couple if you look historically at this event 
and Bay Hill and the other ones coming up on the Florida circuit, they don't run away and hide on these courses. These They're tough. You know, just like Andy mentioned, the putting on Bermuda is an entirely different animal. And I know Bermuda greens are way better today than they used to be, but they're sneaky fast when you're going downhill and can be really slow uphill. So um, I think, personally, much more difficult to putt than the uh, bent grass greens. Josh, the other thing this course has when they're bringing it home the bear trap, right? I love it. I love it, man. When a course is difficult to the casual sports fan, I think they like to see some fireworks, right? You like to see fast breaks and slam dunks, and you like to see touchdown passes. So in golf, that's, hey, let, let me see some birdies and some eagles. I'm the opposite. I dig a U.S. Open. I, I like when the winning score can be at or around par or perhaps over par, and the bear trap this week gives us some of that coming down the home stretch. So you look at it and you see Daniel Berger at 10 under par. Chris Kirk, that's a name that some would be familiar with. He's at 7 under par. And then after that, I mean, guys, you kind of have to go down all the way seven shots back to Shane Lowry at three under par to really find somebody I think that casual golf fans would be super familiar with. Kepka has not had the type of start to this week that maybe some would have expected. He's nine shots off the lead right now. He's halfway home in his third round. He's at one under par. So maybe if he can get a couple of birdies today coming in, he can make this thing interesting if it falls apart a little bit on Daniel Berger. But as I look at the lay of the land of this tournament right now, heading into Berger's Saturday and Sunday rounds, I don't think anybody's catching him unless he just totally falls apart at the seams, which at this course – is a possibility, but I just don't I don't see the big names on the board, Matt, that can really come track him down over the weekend. No, there are not a lot of big names in this tournament to start off. Uh, no players in the top ten, which is really kind of a weird field because the Honda used to be a really big tournament, but it's just kind of where it's been put on the schedule. It's tough. It's that first uh, golf tournament of the Florida Swing, and now – it's really set up for next week's tournament to be a little bit of a bigger tournament than obviously you have the players there uh, shortly thereafter. So I I think it's going to be burgers to lose guys, but Brian, there's always guys that we've seen. And the was a great example of this a few weeks ago that he hadn't done it necessarily, but he was up there. Somebody's going to challenge him. And I think the fun part about it will be that it's probably going to be somebody that hasn't had a ton of success on the PGA tour which means, fellas, that's who I'm rooting for, whoever that somebody ends up being, because I want to see not a, nothing against Berger, but I always love seeing those guys get their first win or you know, be able to really further their careers and help themselves rather than Berger. I mean, look, I'm not saying it wouldn't help him, but the guy's going to be around for a long time, and that's pretty clear. Well, and we'll tease it because we're going to do our picks in the last segment. You know, we'll, we'll do some picks, and – but in our next segment, we have a great guest coming up, Jared Gallagher of Red Dirt Golf Collective. They're doing some really interesting stuff. We're going to let Jared tell you about that. And so, Josh, what do we say? Kick it to a break? Yep, we got to take a T.O. Jared Gallagher is waiting in the wings. He is ready to hop in here next. It is the Gimme Zone on a Saturday. Hope everybody's having a great Saturday so far. We're hanging out with you on the ref. The Gimme Zone, of course, as always, it's brought to you by Elite roofing systems locations here in oklahoma city tulsa as well if you want to 
Get in touch in OKC, 405-361-3094. In Tulsa, number to dial, 918-984-5475. Visit them online, EliteRoofOK.com for all of your residential or commercial roofing needs. They offer free estimates and, of course, have faithfully served Norman and Tulsa, the surrounding areas, for a number of years. Taking a timeout, Jared Gallagher, Red Dirt Collective, joins us next. Welcome back to the Gimme Zone here on Saturday. Got Josh Elmer, Matt Reynolds, and we're blessed to have a great guest, Jared Gallagher, Red Dirt Golf Collective. Welcome to the show. Boys, it's exciting to be here. The uh, the white stuff is melting. It's the weekend, and it's uh, all around hard to complain. Yeah, it's going to get better. I tell you what, it's you know it's it's a cool day. We're doing the golf show, checking out a little bedlam hoops at the same time. I mean, you've got a big day too, right? Not just this. What else you have going on? Oh man, all sorts of stuff going on. We, uh, you know, I've got a. This is a, you know, we've got a lot of side hustles going on right now. In addition to the day job, um, we've got, I'm actually headed down to Oklahoma City. I, I live in the Tulsa area, but I'm headed down to the city today. We've got um, a Wasso Lady Rams basketball coming up tonight in regional action, finally, after being postponed for two days. Um, so I'll be on the air broadcasting that game uh, this evening, live from Putnam City West. So, uh, and that will kick off. I don't know, six or seven games for me over the next week uh, between doing play-by-play or public address up here in Owasso. And, um, you know, it seems like there's not a lot of time for golf, but this is a good time to, to get all the other stuff out of the way when uh, when there's too much snow or, or too cold to go out and play. So, um, it's uh, yeah, it's, it's going to be a busy weekend for sure. Well, Jared, tell everybody, I kind of stumbled upon you guys uh, by accident. I probably should have known, but we had a great conversation. I thought you'd be, uh, you have a great story to tell. And so tell everybody what you guys are doing at Red Dirt Golf Collective. Yeah, Red Dirt Golf Collective was kind of born out of, um, uh, it, it was the COVID project, really. You know, it was a buddy of mine and I, Spencer Drury, we, we go way back. We worked out at Carson Creek together in college. Um, I worked out in the cart barn, and he was in, in the air conditioning up, up in the golf shop, so I always envied <laughs> him a little bit. Uh, but we grew to become great friends. Um, I was the best man in his wedding. Uh, he was in my wedding as well. And, and we were out playing golf one day. This was the summer that COVID had just started, you know, and, and we didn't really have anything else to do but go play golf. Uh, and so we were out at um, we were in Guthrie playing golf and we just started talking about, you know, Oklahoma really, um, has a rich golf heritage. Um, and I, you know, Ken McLeod does a phenomenal job with golf Oklahoma in his publication of, um, telling a lot of that story, but we, um, you know, we, I'm a writer by trade, first of all, um, do marketing, uh, and things like that, but I needed a creative outlet. Uh, I wanted to write about things I wanted to write about, not just things I wanted to get paid to write about. Um, so this was it just kind of born out of an opportunity that we saw to kind of dive deep into the history and the heritage of golf in Oklahoma. And so that's what it's become. We're a Red Dirt Golf Collective is a digital media platform, and uh, we tell everybody we're dedicated to preserving and promoting the game of golf in, in our state. And um, you know, as you guys can see, there's a ton of momentum right now uh, in the game of golf, both at the amateur level, the prep level, the collegiate level, and the professional level uh, in the game of golf in Oklahoma. 
I think that's awesome, Jared. What are some of the stories you guys have written so far, and what stories do you hope to tell moving forward? Yeah. Great question. Um, you know, this is uh, it, it, it's kind of tough because we don't get very many stories out. It's if you're coming, you know, if you're checking back week to week, it's you're probably not going to find a new story. But we be, because we do deep dives, and this is also you know a bit of a side gig for us right now. We'd love for it to become you know kind of the the full time show, but. Um, we, um, we try to put out stories fairly regularly, but we do, we dive really deep and we, um, you know, these are long form stories. The last one I just put out, I think was more than 4,000 words. So, um, you know, they are, they're intensive reads They're you know, it's, it's one that you're going to want to sit down with a cup of coffee or a cup of something else and, um, just kind of enjoy, you know, 30 minutes or 45 minutes and, and, and take a read. We just finished one on, um, the, on the game of golf in Bartlesville specifically, um, you know, Frank Phillips and the Phillips Petroleum Company has made such an impact in so many different regards in Bartlesville. Um, but a story that hadn't been told so much was his impact on the game of golf in Bartlesville. And it goes back before even Hillcrest was built, uh, which, by the way, is one of my favorite Perry Maxwell courses. Tremendous if you've never been out there. It's such a cool property. Um, but, it, it, you know, Frank Phillips, between him and his brothers and his son and, and his entire family, they've made an, a massive impact on the game of golf in Bartlesville, going back to what was originally known as Bartlesville Country Club, and um, which uh, was established 15 years before Hillcrest ever came about. Bartlesville Country Club was a little nine-hole golf course out on the outskirts of town. If you know Bartlesville at all, uh, you'll know there's an area called the Mound, and it's a big natural mound on the northwest side of downtown Bartlesville. And this golf course was out west of that, on the other side of what is now uh, the airstrip that they have out there. And um, people, people, it, w- it was forgotten because it had closed down sometime in the Depression. Um, but you know, an interesting tidbit about that: Ed Dudley uh, was a man who became one of their first head golf professionals. Ed Dudley married a girl from Bartlesville, went on, moved around quite a bit, and ended up becoming the first head professional at a little place called Augusta National Golf Club, where he spent more than two decades. He was the swing coach for Dwight Eisenhower, split his time between Augusta National and the Broadmoor Club in Colorado Springs. So just some really cool nuggets that we uh, were able to uncover um, in our latest story, it's called the Baron of Bartlesville. You can find it on our website, reddirtgolf.com. Um, you know, we're working on one right now on Boiling Springs Golf Club out in Woodward, which is never been out there. It is a tremendous property. It is sand-based golf. It is, um, you know, I like, I like to say it's kind of like Pinehurst, but with elevation, it's, um, really unique. You can go out there. Jeff Wagner's the, the general manager at Boiling Springs. And instead of paying hundreds of dollars, you know, sand-based golf is kind of the, the fad right now. You go to um, Bandon or you go to Pinehurst or you go up to um, Nebraska or any of these kind of, you know, destination places, you're going to spend a hundred dollars, you know, several hundred dollars, thousands of dollars to get out there and, and play these golf courses. Or you can go to Boiling Springs, pay 60 bucks or 75 bucks for all you can play and he'll throw in a hotel room for you. So it's, you know, it's a, it's a pretty good deal out there, and we're actually going to go out there with uh, another publication called The Golfer's Journal, which is based out of um, Los Angeles area. Um, they have an event coming up in April that we're going to be um, helping out with a little bit, and it's just going to be a lot of fun. But we're working on that. We've got 
Um, we're working on stories on Waco Turner, which is a really interesting story. Story. He is the individual who created Falconhead Country Club down in Bernieville, Oklahoma. Um, <laughs> this is a story I've been working on for months now, and I can't seem to get it to end because there's just so much to write about about this guy. He's an oilman from um, southern, south central Oklahoma who was uh, on the board of directors at Dornick Hills and, in fact, brought the PGA Tour and the LPGA Tour to Dornick Hills in Ardmore. Um, and he had a falling out. He said, forget you guys. I'm going to build my own golf course. So he went to some property that he had in Bernieville, Oklahoma, built a golf course, and then lured the PGA Tour and the LPGA Tour away from Dornick Hills. Um, he had a very interesting system in that he it wasn't a um, it wasn't a big money tournament, but he did cash handouts, basically a pay for play system, um, where if you made a birdie or an eagle, he would hand you cash on the spot. And so people loved to go play Waco Turner's golf tournament in Bernieville. Uh, in fact, you know a lot of people don't know that Pete Brown was the first black man to ever win on the PGA Tour. He won at Falconhead, which was then Turner Lodge um, in Bernieville, Oklahoma. So there's just so many interesting stories out there. And then obviously, you know, with the PGA Championship coming up, we've got stories we're working on with Southern Hills. Um, there's some really interesting connections there, both past and present that we're working on. So, um, uh, yeah, a lot going on right now for uh, Red Dirt Golf. Jared, you mentioned the PGA uh, coming, obviously, to Tulsa, and I, you, you brought up Waco Turner, and that's one of the first stories when we connected that we talked about. And I just had no clue that so many PGA tournaments in the past have been here, uh, and so that's one of the many things that Red Dirt Golf Collective has taught me and is teaching others, so appreciate all the stuff you're doing. What is the most exciting part about Southern Hills and the, the guys? coming this year not to not the you know dust up the seniors last year that was great but this is just a whole different level coming to our state this year yeah you're, you're right Matt it's um you know you kind of saw it in you know the the PGA championship when you look at the the spectrum of all the majors people love the masters people love the opens um the PGA championship for for years has kind of had a bad rap but you saw that kind of flip on its head last year obviously you know in the last few weeks, Phil has um, has maybe shot himself in the foot a little bit. I know you guys have talked about that on the show earlier today. Um, but go back to last year at Kiowa when when he won that tournament. I'm not sure professional golf. I mean, it's been years since professional golf has had that kind of momentum, that kind of um, wave of support um, and interest. Um, and I really think, especially with what's going on right now, you know, is he going to play? Is he not going to play? I don't know. But it's it's a really interesting storyline. You've got Tiger potentially going to be back by then. Um, you know, uh, and then all the Oklahoma connections. Taylor Gooch is playing great. I think he's 33rd in the world right now. Um, you know, he grew up learning to play golf at John Conrad in Midwest City, Oklahoma. And he's going to go play at the PGA Championship at Southern Hills. So some really um, – interesting storylines that are coming up. And then if anybody had the chance to go to the senior last year and see what Southern Hills was about, especially if you hadn't been out there since 07 or 01 or, or some of the other previous um, championships, what Gil Hance did to restore and revamp Southern Hills 
is incredible. He go out there and, you know, there's going to be 40,000 people a day on site. It's really going to be um, a, a special event and something, you know, I, I was talking with Kerry Cosby the other day and he said, put every division one college football game all on one day in the state of Oklahoma, every OU game, every OSU game, every Tulsa game, put them all together. And that's what it's going to be like every single day out there at Southern Hills. The impact that it's going to make on the city of Tulsa and the, and the state of Oklahoma. Um, I, I, I can't overstate how important this event is for um, the city of Tulsa and our state. And it's, it's going to be remarkable. I can't wait. Well, Jared, it's been fun getting to chat with you this, this morning. I think we're going to have to get you back on at some point down sure. the road. We need to hear more about Red Dirt Golf Collective. And and I think I think you might have a book on your hands at some point in time if you put all these <laughs> stories together. So just something to think about. But, hey, thank you for joining the show. We'll talk again soon. Thank you, fellas. I appreciate it very much. Take our final time out. Let's make some picks when we return to wrap up the Gimme Zone on this Saturday right here on The Ref. Putting the bow tie. On another edition of the Gimme Zone right here on The Ref. Welcome back one final time, everybody. Josh Elmer alongside Brian Vineyard and Matt Reynolds. Want to say thank you before we get out of here as well again to our show sponsors, Elite Roofing Systems. You can get in touch with them in Oklahoma City, 405-361-3094 or in Tulsa, 918-984-5475. The website, Elite roofok.com and of course the territory golf and country club out in duncan oklahoma the gym of southwestern oklahoma consistently rated as a top 10 course in the state the prairie house restaurant is fantastic give aaron hess a call out there 580-475-0075 extension 2044 for membership opportunities all right let's make some picks before we Exit stage left. Brian, you get uh, the first word here. What do you think this weekend? On the spot early, huh? Well, Daniel Berger's going to be tough to beat. However, I'm going for an outsider. Adam Spenson, the Canadian, comeback victory. I like it. I like it, Matt. What do you think? I'm going to go with the guy that I can't say his name, but I'm rooting for him because this would be a absolute life-changing event, even if he just can somehow finish in the top two like he is right now. That is Kurt Kitayama. That's as good as I'm going to do on his name. But uh, he's at seven under, so he's only three shots off. He had the opening round lead. Hopefully he can uh, somehow bring it home because he has missed his last six PGA Tour cuts. So this is a, a big, big, big stage for him, and it'll be interesting to see how he handles Saturday and Sunday. Let me preface this by saying I think Daniel Berger is going to hang on and win this championship. He's three strokes in front, obviously heading into moving day here. There's not a ton of big names that are anywhere super close behind, but just for the sake of not being wildly boring and picking the leader on Saturday, I'll say that Shane Lowry, who's at three under par right now, starts his round in, in mere moments at noon. He'll tee off. I'll say Shane Lowry who is at three under, makes a charge over the weekend. The bear trap, it it rises, it bites, it conquers Daniel Berger this weekend, and that Shane Lowry from seven shots back over the weekend comes back and wins this thing. Again, probably Berger's going to win this championship, but for the sake of not being wildly boring. Kepka, does he – any chance, guys? I mean, he's one under par for the, the championship. Feels like he's too far gone. 
I think so, Josh. I, I think I think it's possible. It's possible if Berger comes back to the field. Yeah, Matt, I think Berger would have to come way back to the field, but you never know. If you look at the scores of the guys out on the course early today, everybody's 2-3-4 over par, so that tells me the course is playing tougher today, and so moving day might be backwards for some. At some point, we need to have the a more in-depth conversation on Brooks Kepka. At some point, this dude's got to start winning regular tournaments. You can't just win major championships to be regarded as one of the greats, but hey, what can I say? That's a discussion for another day. We are out of time. For Matt Reynolds, for Brian Vineyard, I'm Josh Elmer. Thanks, everybody. Uh, to our great guest list as well, Andy Dillard, Jared Gallagher, and Ryan Hibble. Appreciate you guys joining us. We'll do it again next Saturday right here on The Ref. It's the Gimme Zone. Until next time, so long, everybody.